Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. I'll tell you what I was going to talk about. It's next week. Everyone say next week. I mean, I mean, they told me Steve was great last week. I'll do my best this week. But next week, everyone say next week again. You've got Jeff Woodward. Now, Jeff Woodward has been my friend for uh, too long, really, but um, not because I don't like him, but just too old, you know. But uh, he's the longest serving pastor in Christian hours, in what we call INC and City Point in uh, our movement. And uh, not because he's older than me, but because he's been around longer than me. He was youth pastor in the, in the Brisbane Centre down at West End, and I met him there. And um, all the way through, Jeff has been a great evangelist, planted churches over into West Australia, and is just a great friend and really loves uh, the work here. And so he'll be next week, and I want to tell you, you will laugh, you will cry, and you'll be moved by God because he's just a great communicator and a great man of the Spirit. So tell your friends, bring them along, you'll get them saved if they bring them along, and you can see great things happen for God in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it's, it's a great thing when you are told what to preach. Um, so this morning, I've been invited to preach on what I like preaching on. <laughs> Sometimes people tell you to preach on what you don't want to preach on, and then you're trying to find a sermon, and you're asking God to anoint you, but you don't feel like being anointed. You know, hello, you go to some churches like that, they're so structured, you know. So you preach a sermon, and um, you've got no term to minister, no time to do it, just go home. And you think, God bless you, but I'm not going back there because that's not me. That's not me. I'm not saying they're wrong. That's just not me. <laughs> and, you know, I've always stayed, tried to stay true to who I am. And, uh, and if I can say this humbly, I'm not looking for you to go, oh, I, I, I really wasn't equipped to be a pastor because <laughs> I didn't like them. That was the major problem. But, you know, um, <laughs> and I wasn't equipped to build a church because I didn't particularly like it. I love God, but try to love God. But if you're going to love God, you've got to obey him. And I wasn't obeying him. So there's a great conflict in my life. I wanted to love him, but I couldn't obey him. I wanted to criticize the people that should have been helping me. And I had this burning desire from a young kid to see miracles. And every time I talked to our minister, they told me the miracles went out with the apostles. And I used to get so annoyed with God. I thought, why would you give miracles to the apostles? And these funny pastors come along and can't do anything. And sermons are boring and, you know, here I am as a young kid and, and I want to know God, I want to see miracles. And I blamed them. Wasn't that a, wasn't their, they weren't my problem. The problem was David. <laughs> and I needed to encounter with God. And um, when I was 28, I was wonderfully blessed to have that encounter, which I'm not going to speak of today any more than just to simply say that, which transformed the, the very direction Trish and I were traveling, transformed our lives, transformed everything. And guess what? I became a pastor. <laughs> I mean, she, Michelle, I was going to say Jones, I'm sorry. Michelle, sorry, mate, I can't even think, Andrew. When whatever your surname is, it's good to see you down there. She was just a little kid when she came down. In fact, her father and another man crept into a tent we were running, 10 meetings, on a cow paddock in Lansdowne. If you don't know where Lansdowne is, it's probably off the map now. It's too small. But you know, like, we're there. And we're preaching. They snuck in and got wonderfully baptised in the Holy Ghost. And many people were. And God was moving miraculously. And one thing I realised that I wasn't equipped for this job and I listened to a wonderful man called Dr. Yongi Cho. Anyone's, yeah, many have heard. And, and I heard he was in Newcastle, so I thought I'll drive to Newcastle. I have no idea what a Pentecostal church looked like because we went to a Methodist church. And then they kicked me out of the Methodist church because we got people saved. And I cast out a demon and that really upset somebody because they got rid of uh, drugs and addictions and, and um, began to walk for God. And so I got kicked out of the church, the movement, out of the whole church. Uh, I was the youth leader, so they took that off me. And, and I rejoiced in the Lord because it pushed me from where I was into my destiny. That's nothing to do with the Methodist Church, United Church, God bless it. God's doing what he wants to do with her, that. It's not my business, it's not my judgments. I'm just saying, God said, listen, son, you won't fit that deal. <laughs> I'm pushing you on to something greater. Uh, it caused a lot of persecution, a lot of stresses. And uh, I remember going down to listen to Yongi Cho. And he got up to preach and he said, somebody asked me, do I have much stress? And he said, 
And he said, my church is 750,000. I have 50, went on and talked about all the things. And I thought, man, incredible. And he said, so every day I pray between three and five hours. I thought, three and five hours? I tried to pray for an hour and had nothing to say after. You know, I was excited about God. I prayed in tongues. And, and, uh, and he said, you know, many of you can't pray the long prayer. You desire to pray. You're passionate about God. But you don't know the techniques of prayer. I thought, that sounds a bit religious. Because we were so liberated, you know. And then as I listened to him, and at the end of the meeting, I thought, being the young shy man that I am I pushed my way through the crowd and through the, all the old pastors that are around him like older men that are my age now you know and they were what, praying him yes sir and, and I pushed my way through and, and said Dr Cho I'm sorry for being rude but I just want to ask you a question he said whatever your question is pray and obey young man pray and obey I said I'm doing my best but I don't even know what I'm supposed to obey how to obey what am I obeying he looked at me he said you've got enough zeal to win a city but you've got no wisdom to do it. He said, I want to ask you this. Are your imaginations sanctified? And I went, my imaginations? I said, oh, I can imagine farms. I can imagine wealth. I can imagine. He said, no, you've got to now die to that. And you've got to come every day to the cross and die to that. Because he said, God's called you. You know, little God's called you. His little hand goes out. And I said, I said, I, I, yes, he has, but I never wanted to. He said, well, stop that. That talk must stop. And all these old men are trying to buzz me away because I'm being rude pushing in. And I know I was rude, but, you know, if a little lady could push into Jesus, I thought oh, I'm going to be rude to push in myself. I want something. Amen. I want something. Hello. Any here one wants something this morning? <laughs> push in. You don't have to push to me, push to Jesus, amen. Push away those things. I remember looking at him, he said, your imagination, even now they're everywhere. <sighs> everywhere. <laughs> What's here? Can he see my brain? I hope not. You know, like, uh, and I go, I'm trying to. And I close my eyes. He said, no, don't be religious. He said, just bring your Holy Ghost. He said, when the Holy Ghost baptized you, I said, he has. I speak in tongues. He said, that's gifts. I'm talking about the vehicle of the Spirit. And I go, wow. We hadn't met Christian Abbott in that stage. I was just trying to find God. And I never forgot that. He said, I will pray for your mind. It is it has got to be transformed. It's got to be sanctified, you know, as Cho speaks of this Asian language. And and I had no idea what he's talking about, but I have learnt to understand. The vehicle of the Spirit is dream and vision, your imaginations, because it says in Ephesians, we're able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can ask or imagine. That's how big our God is. That's the God we come to. That's the Father that we worship. That's why we stand here in adoration and declare, I believe. I love that song. I'd sing it if I could, but I believe that. I believe. Amen. If you hear me shouting, it's because I can't sing it. You know I can shout it. I believe. Amen. I like Josiah with me because he shouts with me. You can shout a bit tonight, David. <laughs> so uh, I believe. Uh, oh, no, that's what I want to say. I had to renew my mind and my imaginations. And as I went to leave, he said, young man, I don't normally do this, but come. And you can see the old pastors here wanting to go, get him out of here. Get him. They're so rude. And you know, Meredith. I love pushing past protocol. I love past push through unbelief. I love pushing into the Jesus. Devils hate you coming. Principalities want to stop you. But oh, Jesus invites you. And the great Holy Ghost, I don't want to be rude. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not trying to break, you know, um, thing. But I'm just saying I love pushing. And he said, come back here, young man. And you could think, you could see him saying, can you get rid of this kid? And, uh, and, and, and he laid hands on me. He said, that mind, oh, Jesus, transform that mind. You've baptised him, Holy Spirit. And in that temple, would you sanctify that mind? He doesn't know whether he wants to build farms or build churches. He doesn't know whether he wants to have a marriage or he doesn't want him. I go, what? Who want to have a marriage? You know, and he's going on. He doesn't know whether he can have, he's out of the curse or whether he's still in poverty. He doesn't know, oh, God. And I go, oh, I don't. Maybe I don't. But, and he said, but now make this declaration. And we made declarations like this. And I begin to show you some of the techniques of prayer. He said, you've heard me, but I want you to do this, which I have practised. 
now for 40 years. Uh, that has kept me through some of the most trying times and troubling times. Uh, you know, building this church sounds great, but in your own city, that's not always so easy. When I could walk down the street of Tari, the main street of Tari, we only had four streets, if you walk down either of those four, I would see my friends, because I was brought up in Tari, I went to school there, so many of the key leaders in business were now my age, you know, they're just starting to go from the dads and the major... F- there and you'd go to buy a car and it was all your mates from school and they go, what are you doing, crazy McDonald? You're not like, I mean, <laughs> you could never, you can't build a church. How could you be a, you're not even a Christian. I said, oh, yeah, I'm saved. I said, that's the miracle. That's the miracle. They said, it'd have to be a miracle. I don't know why they thought I was so bad, but anyhow, you know, um, <laughs> being the quiet kid around the place, you know, like it's just, and, and you know, you know, you'd walk down the street, and some people were so angry they just walk across the street and then yell abuse across the street. <laughs> and you know, most people would say, "You need to do this, and you need to do that." I found one thing: get your imagination in Christ, get your vocabulary in Christ, because greater is He that's in me than He is in the world. So let me start off by just um, I have started off, but let me add to that in my starting off about. The great principles of prayer. See, understanding the techniques of prayer, it's not praying religiously or it's not repetition. It's the techniques of talking to God. When I first got married, I loved Trish with all my heart, but man, I needed to be trained in the techniques of relationship and of coming home for dinner when she asked me to. And I need because we had some cool nights. In fact, if we'd lived in the tropics, we still would have had snow in the, in the bed, you know. Like it was, it was cold. It was cold. I got home at nine o'clock and I thought she'd say, oh, darling, I'm so proud of you working. She was just out conscious. I had to take a pulse to see if she was alive, you know. She, she was angry, you know. Boy, this girl, what have I married? I asked the mother and she said it was my problem. I asked my mum and she agreed and I thought, oh, well, you'd never ask women. So I asked my dad and he agreed. I thought, yeah, that's sad that my dad can't, you know, agree with me, you know, like I asked God and he agreed. So I had no one else to go to but come back to God and say, can you change me? You know, the language of prayer. And I remember God said to me, you know, if you want a great marriage, you've got to wash your wife in the water of the word. You've got to love her as Christ loved the church. I said, I love her, but I don't like this stuff. He said, well, when the church, God doesn't like the church and he doesn't like what he does either, but he loves you. He loves you and his mercy goes out beyond all of that until he reaches the hearts of people and draws them to himself. And I said, God, I'm not that good. He said, you can be because my Holy Spirit is with you. The great Holy Ghost is in you. You've got to fellowship him around the things that change. And so the language of prayer is not just speaking in tongues. That's one of the great techniques of prayer. But the language of prayer becomes the Word of God in your heart and the life of God. And I'm not suggesting you don't know this. I'm not suggesting you're not better at it than me. I'm just going through it today to renew our minds and renew our hearts and renew our lives in, in the great power of relationship. Now, let me say this. You don't have to pray because prayer hasn't got a magic thing in it. Prayer, prayers that you pray religiously will teach you to not believe God. We must know the techniques of prayer so that that our prayers are answered. You need a journal. And when you're praying for things and areas of your life, you need to put it down. Victory has come to my life. Victory has come here. This week I was praying with some of my friends. They don't know what I'm praying for and neither do you. And you won't because I'm not speaking about that. But and I was just praying the mercy of God. And, and in the prayer meeting with the guys, the guys, one of the guys started talking about the mercy of God. And I said, um, pray for my family. We just need mercy. And, you know, as a general thing, we prayed for everyone's family. And went through it a whole lot, prayed for everyone's family, and they didn't pray for mine. And I said, oh, I've still asked you to pray for mercy. And I said, I'm going to pray for mercy. And I'd been praying for mercy, just praying tongues, praying there. The next minute, the power of God came in that place and prayed for mercy. And we instantly saw two miracles happen in our family that seemed like could have brought disaster. Two miracles just like that. You know, we must know how to pray the power of God, the techniques of God, you know, that come to our hearts so we know how to come into His presence. I have, I have been trained, of course, by 
by two men that and chose teachings have trained me in prayer a lot. I, I I'm influenced by him. I went to Korea. I went to Prayer Mountain. Um, it was I can't believe I went in winter. I was so cold. I thought I would never get home, but we come home. I went down to those little prayer closets. You know, I'm not a I'm not a tall man, but dear me, those Asians must be only this long because those prayer those little prayer chambers there. You know, and I thought I'll stay there all night. I didn't know they turned the power off to save power at 11 o'clock by, by half past 11 I was frozen to the ground I, my pants were even frozen though I, had to, I could hardly stand up and I'm shaking I mean, but I stayed there I stayed there I went back down again 7 o'clock next morning went down there they turned them on again I thawed myself out and prayed again for another 12 hours you know because I wanted to, to, to know the power of God and there's a great atmosphere there. There's worship going there. There's declaration going there. 3,000 people every day making prayer and declaration. And, uh, and I wanted to go to those prayer meetings. I wanted to see again and be refreshed in the next prayer because, because a nation needs to be changed for Jesus Christ. A city needs to be changed. A family needs to be changed. Homes, there's great hunger. and There's great need in our community. And we cannot do it. See, we pray for the anointing to do what God calls us to do. If you've got a little job, you'll probably jog around prayer for half an hour. If you've got a bigger job, you'll probably pray for an hour. If you're desperate, you could pray for longer, you know. Oops. Oops, don't try anything. You can agree, though. <laughs> so let me run through some of the, what I've found that be helpful in, uh, in my prayer life. Now, the tabernacle of old, let me just, just tell you this. It, we don't go there anymore because there's a new tabernacle. Where is the new tabernacle? In our hearts. It's built in heaven, not with hands. You can't see it. It's in our hearts. Because I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the great Holy Spirit lives in me. But you can grieve Him. You cannot fellowship Him but he still loves you and will bring the love of God to you. But you may not grow out of it because we need to respond to him. He's your greatest friend. And so when we go to prayer, don't go in there thinking, oh God, I've got to do this, God. Come in there. I am, I am, I'm the tabernacle of God and I'm a, I'm a priest of God. Poor Peter said this, we're priests and gods, priests and kings under God, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. Everyone say a royal priest. I'm not just a pastor. I'm a royal priest. And so are you. And you know, in the old covenant, the priest sacrificed the blood and reminded people of their sins and how he remove them. But Jesus doesn't remind us of our sins. He we reminded of his great redeeming grace. And you begin to start down this journey. And uh, Jesus taught the disciples on another journey, which is pretty well exactly the same as what I'm saying. And I follow it sometimes. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Who is he? Who is God? We go through all the Greek. Now, I'm a simple man, so I don't study Greek because I'm struggling with English, you know, so I find that enough. I just have to trust the English in the Bible. If it's wrong, well, then, sorry, God, you need to get rid of those guys that interpret. <laughs> I just, I'm a pretty simple guy. You know, if the Bible says that, I kind of just trust that. Oh, but the Greek said that. Well, God bless the Greek. I'm not a Greek. The Hebrew says this, God bless you. I've been grafted in, but I'm not a Hebrew, you know. Yeah. And if you are a Bible study and you student of that, God on you, bless you, that's great. But don't let the letter kill you. Let the spirit of it come out and bring life to you. Amen. Uh, and so as we go through my prayer life, this is it. I remind myself I'm a priest under God. Uh, and I can minister the covenant, the new covenant of God in my own life. My heart is a tabernacle. In that tabernacle, there's an outer court, which is our body is going to be cleansed and made whole, our soul. Then there's the inner court, which is our, 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 our mind has been renewed. And then, of course, it's our spirit in the, the holies of holies. If you want to just have a picture. I'm a picture man. If you said a car, what kind of car? What colour is it? I'm a picture man. If you said a farm, how big is it? If you said a church, how big is it? How many people there? What do they do? What's it like? I'm a picture person. Information is need of pictures. I love the imagination. My problem was my imagination went everywhere. I had to bring it back to God. Amen. Every time I was in distress, my imagination would build farms. And I told Ross Abraham, I said, my greatest struggle in the ministry was not to build farms with my imagination. And he goes, oh, that's a big sin. I said, it was to me. 
because it could distract me for one week. I could go from week to week under the pressure, not even be in the pressure of the ministry because I was building such a big farm, I was making millions <laughs> and never picked up a shovel or never got on a tractor. Hello? I could go out west to preach and if I, didn't, if I looked across the fields and saw wheat, I'd think of how many tons and how much would that do cattle, um, you know, um, cattle yards where we, you know, you put your cattle in the yards and fatten them. I could, I could, I could work through that because I understood that world. I, I could do it. I could put it down on paper. I could tell you how we could work it out. But God wanted me to renew my mind, renew my mind. It wasn't sin. It was carnal. It wasn't wicked. It was just carnality. It was an enmity to where God was taking me. Hey, friend, for your marriage, if you're imagining other people, you might say, oh, I would never commit adultery. Jesus said that's as adultery because it's taken you away Hello, I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. I must renew my mind because I'm committed to Trish. She's, a, she's the wife of my youth. She may not be in the best of health right now. She may not. And it's very important my prayer life for Trish is that I wash her every day because she cannot do it for herself. She has no capacity in that. She had no capacity to declare. So I declare over her. When I go in there, I put on Christian music. She can't put that on. So we pray, and, and I begin to sing to her, and she always hits me and goes, I understand why. She's done that for 52 years. You know, like, it's, stop, please, just let the music come to me. You know, <laughs> she still can go that. <laughs> but, you know, I get excited and start to sing again, and, and she just, you know, puts a little hand over, and I know, no, no, okay, babe, we'll just, and then she'll go, shh. You know, <laughs> still some interaction there. So I'm beginning on my journey of prayer, please. And if you're writing down notes, this is not a religious way to pray. These are techniques and these are principles. <clears throat> you may pray half of them in a day. You may pray one. But something that needs to happen, because if you look at the, ta at the tabernacle, when Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the what? The what? He said more than what you think, because we're Gentiles. The way was the outer court of the temple. So he said, I have become the way. No longer the blood of bulls and goats doing. I am the way. It's my blood. You've got to understand. And that's a bit of Hebrew. <laughs> and then the, <laughs> the holy place was the truth. That's where the candlestick is, the Holy Spirit, and we begin to worship Him where the oil flows down. And people came and they began to take of the Spirit of God. <clears throat> Understanding there is many, many spirits, but there's one, one Holy Spirit. Everyone say Holy Spirit. When you could be caught up in a familiar spirit, you'd be caught up in an angry spirit. But there's one Holy Spirit. So when you come to the Holy Spirit, it's not like, oh, I've got the Holy Ghost. Has the Holy Spirit got you? Has He baptised you? Is He working in your life? See, when we fellowship Him, He is a... Come on, help me. He is a... Whole, come on. He is a... You don't know after I've told you five times. He is a what? Holy Spirit. Help me. He is what? Come on, friend, you need to know this. If you're a spirit, you're going to know this. Because you could walk after any spirit. I hear people, I was out at Roma yesterday preaching. I heard some guy out there talking so much rubbish. And he said, what do you think of that? I said, um, I prefer not to judge you, sir, but you need to get back to the, to the tabernacle of God and find out where the Holy Spirit is. You've got to preach the Holy Spirit's message. You need a revelation from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Talking about all this Babylon crap and all this garbage. I said, did Jesus preach that? He said, no, but he said, oh, I've got a revelation. I said, where from? He said, oh, I don't know. I, just, I said, well, you know, so did Muhammad. And so did a lot of people get a whole lot of revelations. Just be careful. It's from the who? Shout it. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. <laughs> There's one Holy Spirit. One. Everyone say one. One, one Holy Spirit. Oh, and he's been given to us to live within us. We're baptised, immersed in him. And here I'm preaching, not helping you on this technique of prayer. Um, and the Holy Spirit. 
And we come to the holies of holies, and that's the life of God. That's when you've come through areas of your life and your imagination is gone. And, and now we, we, we're then with the Holy Spirit, and He makes intercession for us with groanings too deep. And, you know, some people try to groan with Him. Forget all that silly rubbish. You don't have to do that stuff. You just sense the power of God and make the declarations that moves heaven to earth. Earth's got to be moved for heaven to come in and make room for it. Amen. When Daniel prayed, he made room. 21 days they warred in the heavens for him to come. Or I don't know, Abraham believed for 25 years. That saddens me because I'm not sure I would be that patient. But you know, but I prayed now for 40 years for revival in Australia. And everyone says, oh, there's big problems in Australia. There's a big move of God coming, friend. Come on. There's a great Holy Spirit that's about to work. The church is about to come into revival. There's a fire of God in your lives. So what? can stop us <laughs> and so I begin on the journey of, of, of Hebrews 12 is just one of those beautiful I love Hebrews 11 I love Hebrews 10 I love all of those scriptures but please this is just one I love looking where unto the author thank you help me this morning I couldn't remember it of course I could looking looking unto Jesus you come to the cross. Jesus is not there. But you come to remembrance <laughs> for what he has done. Because <laughs> you come into the outer court. And that's where the blood of Jesus Christ has dealt with our sin and our poverty and our sickness and our iniquity. And some people go, well, that's absolute. I must be healed or I haven't got faith. Stop all that rubbish. You've come into God, the healer. You're not coming here. You're not God. You don't control that. Life and death is in his hands. Some people say you need to pray for Trish. And Trish said to me before she got like this, she said, please don't make it like this. Please, you'd have to get... I said, Trish, I don't hold life and death. I just have the life of God in me. And however your journey is, babe, I'll be there. I'll walk with you. But I can't call down death on you, and I won't do that. And even when I had the opportunity not to get us uh, um, given drugs and that, I didn't have the courage to say no I'd have now but you know um, I can see now where this will take us so you know why why treat the body that's finished its journey amen um, and you think you don't like that that's fine you can hate me or love me it doesn't matter your words won't get to me so don't bother talking don't waste your time because every word spoken against me in judgment I condemn every day every day every day I don't put up with the words of the devil. He comes along with nice words and, and gives me the little pass. Some people go, oh, thank you, devil. And they get out and they read, oh, this one's so and this again, this is so, and you know, you feel like this. You need to say, devil, take your parcel. Get out of my life. Amen. I've got a parcel from God. <laughs> it's the blood of Jesus Christ. So I begin on this journey, and, and this is part of that journey of just going through and, and see there's a new Calvary. And Jesus said, as often as you eat and I eat and drink every day. I eat and drink every day. Why would you not? It reminds me of that precious blood of Jesus Christ. I eat of that. In his body, he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquity. Bruising his internal bleeding. All of us have been wounded somewhere. You need the blood of the bruised Saviour to heal your heart. So around that cross, I begin to come in and say, you know, the blood of Calvary, it <laughs> brings back the glory of God. It dwells around my life. It dwells in my house. It dwells in my home. The blood of Jesus Christ restores the glory of God. The glory of God is not some mystical thing. It is His presence. And the glory of God is manifested in His outworking of miracles over your life, of healing, salvation, of deliverance, of your victories, of overcoming. The glory of God's there. Always give Him the glory. That's the glory of God on earth. Because Jesus came out of a glory. He didn't count a quality of thing to be snatched at. There's a glory of heaven that we won't see until we go there. And there's a glory he came out of and came down and brought the glory of God for earth. Which for us to have dominion over sin and death. And to build the church of Jesus Christ. That all men can be saved. Saved. <laughs> saved. 
So I go through that and I thank him. I thank him for the sanctification. Oh, and I say, Father, thank you that you've sanctified me. And I look upon the cross and then look into Jesus, who is the risen Saviour. And I thank him that he's the risen Saviour. And then I declare through Galatians, he's redeemed me through the blood from the curse. Galatians 3.13. And he has redeemed me from the curse. The curse of sin. The curse of poverty. The curse of sickness. He's redeemed me from it. In other words, he's paid for that. And you go, what if I'm sick? That's all right. God, God holds life and death in His hands. He holds miracles in His hands. This is not a prayer of condemnation. This is a declaration of who you are. And you know, I've got stents in my heart and probably I'll have to get one or two more with the way my breathing goes sometimes. But, you know, you know my doctor said to me, my specialist said, um, said to me, he said, so if you could believe in miracles, how come you need me? I said, you are my miracle. I said, God gave you the gift. I looked down the front here. Deb's my miracle. And I'm thankful for Deb. She's a great doctor if you're looking for one, you know. Like, <laughs> sorry, Deb. <laughs> and Mayo. You know, if I need stitching up, Mayo stitches me up. If I need some care, I go to Deb. Not that Mayo doesn't care, but I. <laughs> I didn't even know Mayo was a doctor when I went to Deb. I th- then I saw Mayo there. I said, what's Mayo do? <laughs> Sorry, Mayo, you're a legend. <laughs> you know, and he said, what do you mean I remember? I said, God gave you the gift and you've been a good steward. You just don't give him the glory. Yeah. But I give him the glory. I thank God for you. I guarantee you, well, you thank God for those. that You give God the glory, you know. We're in this together. People help each other. The miracle comes and however God uses it. See, don't get caught up in this, that we are separated. God has got a great economy. And as you worship him, thank him for it. Praise him for it. Include people, because we are together. Thank him for the church. You know, a bit cranky with the church. Get over it. Stop it. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, but you can forgive them. (laughs) And love them again, because we need one another. And so go through that. You know, I come through that and say, I'm, I'm delivered from the curse of the law. Romans, Romans 8, verse 1 and 2, and right through to verse 8, really, it says this, There is therefore no, now no condemnation to those that are in, who walk not according to them, but according to them. <laughs> yeah, we're getting slower, slower. Come on, according to the Spirit, the Spirit. What Spirit? The one great Holy Spirit. I know this is simple teaching and you think, oh, he's a simple man, all right, but this will change your life. You just need to jog through that for at least 30 minutes every morning. Thank you for the blood. Look upon the cross where you and your whole life has been hung. (laughs) It doesn't talk to you about the sins that have been removed. It talks about that they've been moved as far as the east from the west and I am a new man in Jesus Christ. Romans, Romans, 1... 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If any man be in Christ Jesus, all things are passed away. And behold, all things... I didn't finish Romans 8, 1. It, says, it goes on and says this, Now the law of the Spirit of life, the law of the Spirit of life, the one great Holy Spirit comes into your life, the law of the Spirit of life, in Christ Jesus, sets me free. See, I'm set free. You're set free from the power of sin and death. Oh, I thank Jesus for that. I'm trying not to get into prayer or else I'll get carried away and I'm sorry. I just, I'm just i a bit enthusiastic. I'm sorry. But you know, like, we start to just thank Jesus and praise Him. You can stay there for an hour or you can stay there for five minutes. And there's so much power. I sense the Holy Ghost, the anointing come uh, that leads us into Him. And now your mind starts to get focused into Christ. And so I just begin to thank Him for that. And then, then Galatians three fourteen says this, the blessing of Abraham has broken the curse of poverty and the blessing of Abraham that was in Abraham, in blessing I will bless you. It's a covenant. God says, even in the New Testament, I'm blessed through believing the covenant of Abraham. Blessed, blessed. Everyone say blessed. You go, well, I've known you've gone through some tough times. Yeah, I have, but I'm still blessed. I'm not under the curse of the law. I'm not under poverty. There are seasons. Paul said, I know what it's like to abase and to abound, but my seed is still speaking for me. Amen. I gave away my inheritance when God told me to leave the farm, which was mine, and give it back to the family trust. 
farm was only worth about half, half a million probably then, maybe a bit more, but then half a million dollars was like five million now. You know, it was a lot of money. Um, and I walked off and gave it back. My dad was brokenhearted. He said, son, it's yours. What am I going to do with it? I said, sell it and have a good retirement. But God told me to give it back and trust him. So I walked away. You know, I've had to know what it is to break the poverty of the past and break through and trust God through that. You say, well, I haven't had to do that. You've got a business. You've got a profession. Great. Make sure no poverty comes there. Poverty can be you've got millions, but you can't give. Whoops. So your prayer life starts to break that. You start to hear the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come. Your on earth. I'm on earth. I'm on earth. I'm on earth. You're on earth. <laughs> As it is in. Oh, I want heaven in my heart. And that's through Jesus Christ. Through his blood. It's not some mystical place up there. I'll go there. But that's a mystery to me now. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. <laughs> my heart can be troubled sometimes. You sure you got that? That... Uh, that transition ship ready to take me up quick, amen. <laughs> and you know, my doctor said to me when I had a heart, he said, one thing fears me, you don't seem to be afraid to die. I said, no, I've got the courage to live and the faith to die. Yes. And I said, well, I'm here, I'm bold to live and I love living here, it's great, but you know, if Jesus taps him on the shoulder and he sends down that wonderful transportation, <laughs> I'll look down and say, sorry, you guys enjoy the rest of the journey, but I'm going to be just... I'm just going to be up here in the glory of a new glory of heaven. Amen. Anyhow, let's not talk about that. That's not, that's, 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 that's out of the question right now. Okay, let's move on. See, our imaginations, and if you understand the vehicle of the Spirit is faith. Everyone say faith. Faith. I must believe. I love that song. Take it home and play it every morning when you go to pray. How does it say? How does it go? Somebody help me. I believe. That's it. I believe for it. I don't know what I say, but I say something. I believe. Yeah, yeah. I believe for it. Sorry, I mess up these poor singers here. I just make up my own little stories down here, don't I, Deb? <laughs> I believe, I believe. Sometimes you've got to declare, I believe. I believe. I remember one time I was called into hospital to pray for this guy. He just got him saved and he, he had stones in the kidneys and, and some other infection. And they said, we're not sure we can even get healed. He's only a younger guy, like like. 35, 40, which was older than me, but, you know, still young when I was that age. And, and, and came in and we walked into the hospital and, and the nurses said, now, just be quiet, he's very sick. And, you know, that's very difficult for me, but, you know, I thought, I'll be quiet. And I went in and he said, I'm going to stress. I said, well, don't, just, just be careful. And I started to pray, pray, and was just like praying into a brick wall. And I thought, Jesus, oh, my words fell down. The words fell over the back of me. They never went near him. And I went to leave. I thought, oh, God. And I thought, no, I can't do that. I can't do it. And I went back. I said, in Jesus. And the nurse grabbed me and said, please, sir. I said, in Jesus. I believe. In Jesus' name. Oh, I said, the address of Jesus is in his heart. The address of the devil is in hell. Get out. Oh, she was so angry. There's nurses coming everywhere. I said, just give me one more minute and I'll leave. I'll leave. I understand, Deb, your medical person is naughty, but you know. And I said, now back, be healed. Whatever else needed to be healed. And I grabbed him by the head. She said, don't do that. I said, get up, man. And he stood up and she got, I said, take off those things. She said, you'll be going to jail. I'll have you in jail. Oh, I said, I'll be able to preach to the prisoners. I went, you know when you get bold? You know you get bold? You get bold and you're so bold and, and you get outside and all that boldness goes, oh my God, you know, I could go to jail. Oh, the police comes and give me, oh, Father, help me. Does anyone like me, you know, like, oh my God, you know, that anointing's wonderful. But when it forgets you, you know, oh God. It's just, <laughs> you know, I know you're thinking, is he crazy? Well, it's a beautiful ride to be crazy. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so your prayer life. Begins to go through it. I remember as he got up, he goes, oh, oh, that's getting better. And then I went to the nurse. I said, how do you explain that? She said, get out. <laughs> I, said, thank you. I said, thank you. And you know what? The guy, I can't believe he did this. I said, just go around and sit there and keep these nurses happy. He said, no, no, I'm coming home. I said, you can't come home. You can't. You got, you're healed, but, you know, you've committed yourself to this hospital, so, you know, you have to go to the protocol, you know. Because I can see myself now, I'm, I'm not so bold all of a sudden. I'm, I see myself going to jail, you know, like, <laughs> in Tyree, you know. 
Then they send you to Maitland. I mean, that's the end of life down there. You're not like <laughs> I went down to see a person down there one time and I didn't know they were having a strike and they striking. I'm going up to see him. And the guy said, if you want, if you want, you want to stay in jail for the next five days. I said, why? He said, we're striking. He said, if you aren't coming out with me, I'm the last one. I'm locking all the doors. You'll be in here for five days. Oh, man, that was the most best friend I've ever had. I got out of there. He locked the doors behind me. And then I read the news. I, I listened to the news, and they said, don't go to the Maitland Jail. They've been locked down. I could have been there for five days preaching to those prisoners. Amen. And they said, we won't be feeding you. We only feed the prisoners. <laughs> so a good fast, I suppose. You know it, but you know. So... <laughs> You go, you're laughing a lot. But, you know, this, this prayer journey is not like, oh, he's your friend. He's my redeemer. He's my father. <laughs> my God is my father. And the Bible says I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm one, one spirit. And most people don't feel one spirit because you've got another spirit there talking to you. Stop that spirit talking to you. Fellowship the great Holy Spirit. He's your greatest friend. He brings wholeness to your mind, to your soul. So, so go through. There's many other things I can talk to you about. He's redeemed me from death. He's redeemed his life. If you want some notes on this, I can't give you my notes, but I can speak it out and somebody can interpret that if you'd like. Um, I did do some notes. I just wanted you to see. Uh, I actually went up to Tim's office and put some colours on them so I could show you. <laughs> I looked at his sermons, I thought they looked better. I should bring one of those down. <laughs> Wonderful Holy Ghost. <laughs> See, and then I began to come to this place where I renew my mind. Everyone say, my mind. Oh, my mind. I, I go through much the same things again. I say, God, God, I'm redeemed from the curse, but I am transferred into the prosperity of God. He wants me to prosper and be in health as my soul prospers. So scriptures begin to flow. And my mind, my mind, because your mind has got to be renewed to what God says I am. You'll take time to just declare it. And if you're a quiet prayer, start to become a bit loud in this place because your mind, your mind can just control you. And, and if I don't speak out loud, my mind's got me going back to farming or somewhere. It's just it goes, you know, or somebody's problem or something. My mind, my mind, because you're newer to God. And I don't bet you're like me, but you can lose your direction of your mind. Oh, my goodness, I need to close. I'm redeemed from worship. <laughs> See, the blood. And I begin to renew my mind that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, I thank you for the righteousness. Susan, if you can come up here so that you can really play that loud and close me down. Amen. See, righteousness, Christ. And the, in Romans 10 says this in a beautiful way. It says uh, that there's one offering been made for us in Jesus Christ, that great high priest. And then it speaks about this in verse 19. And it says, we have boldness to come where? To the holy, holy of holies. You know, no one could come there in the old covenant. <laughs> in the holy holies is where God's presence is. It's upon the mercy seat. Where the, I mean the mercy seat. You know what the mercy seat is? Now Jesus has put his own blood of sprinkling there. And the Bible says then he sprinkles our conscience from dead works. So many people don't respond to the voice of God because you don't fellowship the blood of a sprinkling and your conscience just gets seared. My mind must be renewed. Oh, and if I could go on through the... Get scriptures that are renewing your mind. Don't just declare them. Meditate on them. Declare them. And the last area of, of the first part of the three parts of prayer, I come and re-declare re who I am, my identity. Hello? Because the devil's always telling you, you're no good. The devil's telling you, you spoke that. The devil's he's always coming to us. We must get violent against the devil. Put on that armour. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I walk in the righteousness of God. I am a child of God. I mean, when my dad died, I don't remember. I just want to tell you, when my dad died, I don't know, when I was just 30, so 
That's 40 years ago. You know, he just died quickly, died suddenly. We fixed up the deal of giving back the farm. Dad was brokenhearted, but he got, got him to sign that he'd take it back and work with the rest of the family. And, and the God wanted me to walk in my covenant. And I asked you, Dad, just bless me. Just bless me. He came to the church every week and he'd bless me. And he did that. And then he died. Everyone said, you killed him because you shocked him. But, you know, he didn't. He died of a massive heart attack. And, you know, everyone in my family was so crippled by grief. I, what is wrong with my family, you know? And I was just being a choleric of cholerics and worked harder. And I was building a house for Trish. And, you know, just because my house was on the farm. I owned a house on the farm, but now I didn't own a house. So we had to build a house. I needed miracles. We are getting miracles. And, and, and Dad died, you know, inconsiderate. To go home just like that. And uh, uh, I remember, and after six months, my family started to get themselves back together. My brother was supposed to be farming the farm, and he just walked off and went on a holiday. Two days after we buried Dad, I said, who's going to milk? He said, I don't know. I said, son, you, you can't do that. So I ended up milking for three days till we got somebody to do the milking. I, grief was so terrible in the family. Mum, you know, it's just terrible. So uh, I remember saying, Grief's the devil, <laughs> which is not, you know, we've got to grieve. But I didn't grieve, so I just kept building the church, having revival. And then I was asked to preach for, I was asked to preach for many places, but I was preaching for Coffs Harbour. Coffs Harbour, that's where I get this coat from, you see, this faith church. And I was preaching at a family camp, and they asked me on the last night to talk about the Father Heart of God. And I thought, oh, that's good, that'd be great. And I talked about God as my Father. <laughs> And, and, you know, I was just there, and grief hit me. So deeply in the service, I was crippled. I couldn't speak. I just was crippled. If I'd opened my mouth, I would have cried loudly. I just was crippled. It was the most debilitating moment of my life, I think. And in that moment, I got enough courage to say, if you need God to touch you as your father, come. And I thought two or three people would do it. I'd pray for them and close the meeting. The whole camp of 230 people got up and crushed down the front and I had nothing I was crippled by the grief of my heart for dad so I called Trish she was always a good prayer and minister to people good I called the pastor he said no they want you I said no 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 no. come come you must come you've got to come you know so he came and I got all these people praying I prayed for one or two people and when no one was looking I ducked out the door and I'd gone to that campsite as a young guy because my uncle had built it. It was up at Scott's Head and he was a Baptist minister and he'd built it. And so I, had, I knew the beach up there and I went over the beach, walked up the beach. It's a seven-mile beach, goes up to, to Maxville. And uh, I walked and walked. Oh, my heart hurt, I said deeply. Hurt. And two o'clock, I just said, oh God, if this tide comes in and I go out, it won't hurt so deeply. And while I had my eyes closed, I could see Jesus walk onto the beach, walked onto the beach. He came to me and he said, looked at me and I looked at him and said, oh. And I could see in the distance my dad, he, he looked so happy and I was so sad. I said, good on you, dad. You ducked out. Look at me, I'm broken hearted. And, and, and as I looked again, he had gone. He had gone obviously because we don't neck the romance with dead people. So, you know, don't get me wrong. And I looked at Jesus and I knelt down on the sand. I said, Jesus, how am I? And he looked at me and he said, I'll be your father. i never forget those words. Now, in my mind, imagination, it was as clear as I could reach out and I hugged him and he hugged me, but it's in your heart. It's in the spirit. You've got it in the spirit. You've got to know how to walk by the spirit. And in that next half hour, Jesus stayed on the beach with me. We all talked together and he said, you're one spirit with me, David. You're one spirit with me. He talked to me about how we're joined ears with him. And if you walk by the Holy Ghost how God will heal. And he healed my heart. And I was so happy. I got up the beach. I walked back down. And you know when you walk off the beach, there's those tracks in the sand. Every track looks the same when it's dark. You can't find your way off. So I had to walk all the way to God's head, get off the beach and walk all the way back up to the campsite because I couldn't find my way off the beach. <laughs> it was too dark. When I got back there, it was daylight, just coming daylight. And Trish couldn't sleep no one could sleep. They thought I must have committed suicide or something. And I said, no, no, no. Uh, and when I said, why didn't you tell us? I said, I couldn't tell you. Trish, I couldn't say. The pastor said, what happened? Well, I said, I just met Jesus. I've had a wonderful time. He said, we haven't been out of sleep. We've been so concerned. We lost you. I said, no, no. I said, I found me. 
I found me. I found myself in Jesus. You know, right across this place. You know, that's my story. What's your story? That's the beautiful thing about prayer. My story is my story. I'm just giving you, I'm just shouting the praises of God, how he can come. And you could get up and do the same. But this morning, I could go on to the, the holy place. It's the, it's the candlestick, the Holy Spirit. And, and, you know, I've spoken a lot about the Holy Spirit, but please never see the Holy Spirit as a thing or somebody. He is a person. And if you treated your wives the way you treat the Holy Spirit men sometimes, you wouldn't get any breakfast and no dinner and you'd be living in another bedroom. Hello? <laughs> You've got to court that girl. We must court the Holy Spirit. He's our greatest friend. He brings the voice of God to us. He reveals the scriptures to us. And the next part is the showbread, you know. And on the showbread, there's Logos, which we must read to bring the foundations of faith. But oh, so many people want to do great things through the foundation of, but the Holy Spirit wants to bring the rhema word to you. That rhema word that said, get out of that bed, be healed. It won't happen with Logos. But you've got to know Logos. Have the faith to do it. And unless you fellowship the Holy Spirit and come around there, and I love the last part of that showbread, of that, of that table, the holy holies. There's the, there's the what do they call it, the incense there, is the, the flask of incense, which represents worship. And when you come to the end of your prayer, don't just finish, oh, well, I'm finished, I've got to go. Lift your hands. Many of us can't sing, but we can turn on music and make a joyful noise with it. Worship Him. Praise Him. Thank Him. Lift your voices. Oh, never let a day go without worship. I love being home when Wendy's having her prayer time. She doesn't do what I do. She doesn't do it the way I do. She sings about the blood. She sings about that. So I go and lay on the floor and mess up her prayer time because I try to sing with her. You can see her thinking, I wish you'd get out of here, silly old goat. But you know, like, she's too, good. She's too nice to say it. She's just, it's wonderful, Dad. It's lovely, Dad. Thank you, Wendy, for being so nice, you know. <laughs> We don't always want some old fellow like me in there singing out a tune when we're touching God, but, you know, I'm thankful for those moments. And then I say to God, please, I don't want to whinge, but why would you give Wendy all these gifts? Just humble me. Trying to do something great for you and can't even sing, you know. Then I can't administrate. I can't even keep my own calendar. Thank God for Wendy or I wouldn't turn up anywhere, you know, like... <laughs> oh, lift your hands right across this place. I feel and sense the great Holy Spirit. Would you lift your hands? Would you worship? Oh, I know this day. The bruised blood of Jesus is healing some. He's refocusing your family. In the middle of that, we pray for our families. House of God. Oh, we lift up the house of God. We worship you. Go ahead and worship him. Oh, worship him this morning. Just tell him how much you love him. Friend, if you don't know Jesus, make your way down the front here. I'll find, I'll help you to come to Christ today. Friend, if you say, I can't get through this hurt, I can't get through this broken, make your way to the front. I'll stand with you this morning. Many people will. Whatever you need. If you're just here to worship, worship. But don't stand alone. Don't do it alone. Let people walk with you this morning. Or as we worship. Come if you need help. Come. Come this morning. Come. God is here to touch you. Wonderful Holy Ghost. Oh, great Holy Spirit. Great Holy Spirit. Your mercy, your mercy, your mercy, your mercy. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts. Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.